Welcome to another episode of the CC Podcast Conversations, where inspiring Christians share their faith-filled stories. Please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast, leave a five-star rating, and write a review. This helps push our content to a broader audience. Are you new to listening? Check out our other podcasts. First, the CC Podcast Daily Dose Devotions, where we're walking through the Bible, focusing on short clips of Scripture. Second is the CC Broadcast, where our weekly radio programming is archived. These podcasts are available wherever you're listening or at christiancrusaders.org. Okay, let's get started with today's episode. Here's our host, Matt Reister, the Executive Director of Christian Crusaders. Welcome to the CC Podcast. Uh, this is Andrew Nordstrom. I am the Technical Director. Today we're going to get to hear a great interview uh, with Michael W. Smith. We've got Matt here, and Matt was the one who got to host this interview. Matt, tell us a little bit about how this came about and how, how excited were you to be able to interview this guy that, that everybody knows. Yeah, so hey, what's up, everybody? I, Michael Dewey Smith had a huge impact on my life as a kid growing up. I'm a child of the 80s and 90s. I didn't listen to Christian music until probably 6th or 7th grade, and I had a couple buddies, Tad McDonald and Zach Nielsen, who... It's probably illegal, but they like dubbed me tapes <laughs> of Michael Lovey Smith. The very first album I had was his live set album. Still, I think my favorite album, although he's got so much great stuff. Over the years, I mean, it grew from Michael Lovey Smith to Stephen Curtis Chapman and DC Talk. And at the same time, I mean, not that I was this angel boy, just to set the record straight. I'm listening to Molly Crew and yeah. Def Leppard and <laughs> the Beastie Boys. I mean, oh, wow. not good, you know. No, uh-uh. <laughs> and, uh, but I look back, I'm 46 now. And I look back on the role that that Christian music had in my life, and I was involved in a Christian family, yeah. solid parents, a church that was proclaiming the gospel, great friends that were also involved in the church. And so I was, I was raised in that kind of environment, but I would be out you know, doing my paper route or mowing lawns or the, the jobs that I had when I was in junior high, maybe even high school, and I had my Walkman on, yeah. you know, my yeah, headphones yeah. on. And... Uh, just having that those messages of those songs drilled into your head where I think the confidence that I had in my faith was just strengthened and strengthened and strengthened. And the confidence to live in a way that's maybe different than the world yeah. was strengthened and bolstered. And I still, to this day, I mean, in the shower or just kind of around, you know, an old Michael Louis Smith song will pop into my head. Yeah. And I, from nowhere. For sure. And... uh be able to reflect and go, man, where did that come from? And man, that must have had some significant mm-hmm. impact in my life. Yeah. So fast forward now to uh, you're the director of the Cedar Falls Bible Conference, and uh, you're looking for somebody to come for kind of a one-off concert in uh, in spring of 2021. And uh, you've got this idea, and you're, you're going to take a home run swing for the fences. So to me, if you know the Cedar Falls Bible Conference, like the best you could do out there in terms of bringing in a Christian artist that fits that place. Mm-hmm. You know, there are a lot of modern, new Christian artists that are really popular and trendy, but that's a hundred-year-old ministry. It's got a little sure. season on it. Um, and, and and this is my bias coming through, but I just like, man, wouldn't it be something to have Michael Louis Smith out there? We just renovated one of the buildings. Yep. We're going to reopen it in 2021. And I'm thinking, like, could we pull it off with mm-hmm. Michael W. Smith? And so we started asking around. One of the things that was beneficial was COVID. I mean, because sure. these guys hadn't done concerts. Right. And so the fact that they weren't booked to the hilt. Yeah. And There's no tour it, you're trying to interrupt. Right. And, yeah. And so I remember we put the word out. And, you know, it's not free. 
I mean, but we sold tickets. We right. covered our costs. We made a little bit of money on it. And uh, I remember when we got the message back that he was coming to Cedar Falls. I mean, it was just like, this is insane. Like, yeah. I was I was so giddy. And at the same time, I got to be the guy that hosts him and just acts like I've been there before. Yeah. Like, I can't, I can't be like the fanboy, you yeah. know, geek out on this guy. Though he's, you know, whenever he goes and plays a show somewhere like a one-off like this, he's probably used to that, totally, right? I mean, totally. Everybody's going to have a little bit of that with this guy. And so I'm trying to keep it like professional. And and so I also, being the director of Christian Crusaders, and mm-hmm. we had launched this podcast. Right. I kind of thought, man, wouldn't this be a oh. great interview if he's coming to town for the Bible conference? What if I could peel him off and do an interview for the CC podcast? And he graciously accepted that. We had a 30-minute time limit because he's trying to save his voice for, the, for yeah. the concert that night. Right. And he had just done a concert the night before, and these are like his first couple concerts. Right. Uh, yeah, so this is a shorter interview than most of our conversations, but it's not because, you know, he was some like high and mighty, oh, you only get 30 minutes of my time. Right. It's it's for a legitimate f- physical reason. <laughs> he's like warming his voice back yeah. up for like uh-huh. – uh, Actually, I've listened to this interview several times. Um, and it's a little embarrassing for me, actually. And, and, and the reason is because I know what I was thinking at certain times in the interview. And I can some of my kind of visceral reaction comes out. And I don't know if our listeners pick up on it all. But I, even though I'm trying to, like, stay cool and calm, yeah. I literally giggle a couple times in the middle of the interview. And it's just kind of like, come on, man. Be a little more professional. Oh, uh, it comes across good. And you were wearing a sweet check jacket too. That that yeah. was that was pretty excellent. Yeah. So and this is a little different form. And normally we we do most of our interviews uh, either here in the in the studio where we've got nice nice sound, or you know a couple of them we do maybe at a booth where it's just kind of one on one. This was kind of an interview in front of a bunch of people, right? Yeah, it was it was through the sound system at the Bible conference, which has always been a disaster. Even though we have good people working on it, it's just old equipment, and yeah. that's, that's a separate issue. But. Um, it was in front of a small live audience because one of the things we sold was some sponsorships for that concert. Right. And so the people who were sponsors, one of the perks they got was to be able to sit in on this live podcast interview and even ask a question. Nice. And they weren't mic'd when they asked the questions, but you can kind of hear it in the background. Yeah. And I and didn't you know if them. you could hear yeah. it. And yeah. 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 Anyway, I mean, man, Michael W. Smith, what a thrill. And honestly, I think we'll get him back again sometime. I oh, mean, I hope so. They had a great time. And I realized that these guys aren't as untouchable as I thought. Right. So, and they're getting older. So, well, and who, you know, next year we might get a, a, you know, Michael W. Smith and Motley Crue, you know, doing both together, you know, who knows? So <laughs> Alice Cooper's a Christian now. So. Oh, there we go. Yes. <laughs> he, apparently he is Mr. Nice Guy now. Yeah. No more Mr. Nice Guy. No, no, he is Mr. <laughs> nice Guy. So anyway, guys, uh, enjoy this interview. You're going to love it. Tune in for, for a bunch of other interviews we've got up here, but uh, enjoy this interview with Matt and Michael W. Smith. Obviously, we're very proud and excited to have you here, and there's a thousand people who are equally excited, and so we're just going to chat for 30 minutes, and uh, welcome to Cedar Falls, and I just want to get you. I want to get out of the way what I think probably 90% of the people coming here tonight would say, which is uh, thank you for building into my and our faith life. I was reflecting, I grew up in the eye-to-eye, live set go west young man, uh, change your world in that era, right? Late 80s, early 90s. That's right. And I remember having the Walkman on when I was delivering newspapers. I remember doing it when I was vacuuming the house, 
when I was mowing grass. And, and I grew up in a great home with godly parents who taught me the word and pointed me to Christ. Uh, but the impact of you and others musically to help just instill strong convictions is just, uh, I've been reflecting on it this week knowing that you're coming and knew that I'd be able to sit here and say thank you to you. And I'm sure that people here and others who will be listening would say the same exact thing. So on behalf of all of us, you've heard it a million times. And what do you do with that? Like that you've had such a huge formative role in the lives of so many people spiritually. Yeah, I just, uh, I thank you. Um, I never could have orchestrated all of that. You know, it's just a God thing, honestly. You know, you, you, you never, people ask me all the time, you know, what do you, what do you envision you, you're, you doing 10 years from now? I have no idea. To me, it's, you know, I could, you can dream a little bit ahead, but to me, it's just living in the moment. And you obviously have dreams and aspirations to be successful and hopefully, ooh, uh, hopefully can have some longevity, but you know, it's it's very rare, you know, to be doing it this long, you know. Um, so I'm just grateful. I've just had the right people around me. I've been mentored by this amazing pastor, Don Finto, for 38 years. And I had a great mom and dad as well. My mom's still alive and married a great woman, you know, and got these amazing kids. Mm-hmm. And, and so just, you know, who's your tribe, who you're walking with. And, mm-hmm. and then the creativity just continues to come, you know. I mean, once a year, I, you know, I, I dry up and think it's over. I got to go find another job, you know. <laughs> Only once a year. Well, maybe sometimes twice a year because <laughs> it's just nothing there. There's just nothing. You think, oh, my gosh, it's over. But um, it, always, it always comes back. Was COVID more fruitful for you, like imaginatively and dry, not drying up wise, or was it harder for you that way? I think it was better because, I mean, obviously nobody wants to have a pandemic, you know, um, but I have a. I don't do well on the road, creating on the road, because I feel like I spend. I pour so much of my energy into the, the evening, and usually in the day I don't like to work. I have to save my voice and I try not to talk. And I have a routine. And I swim. I don't talk to anybody until you know later in the day or whatever. You know. So, but being home, just I found myself in the studio a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and there were some things that came along that were exciting. You know that I could write for and. I just got back from Italy working with Andrea Bocelli, you know, and so that was fun writing for that and uh, and learning how to ride a horse again. So that's a whole other story, too. So You got into uh, cattle, too, didn't you? What's that? You got into cattle. Did I see you with a herd of cattle? You yeah, got- well, yeah, we got cows on our farm. Okay. Yeah, we got about it's nothing nothing expensive. Just I think we got 23 head of cattle. Okay. Now, you, know? you had a video the other day on your Facebook page. Yeah, I just go out and hang out with the cows every once in a while. It's kind of fun. You know? So here's just an out-of-left-field question. What is the first lyric of one of your songs that comes to your head right now? Friends. <laughs> of course. What's the story behind that song? And I've heard you say before, you didn't plan on singing that forever and ever and ever. Well, it was just... It, the song was just written, it was just such a last minute thing that my wife, Debbie, wanted to do for a friend of ours. We had a, this amazing Bible study, which what spurred out of that Bible study was this amazing prayer group that has been together now for 33 years, you know. But there was this one guy, Bill Jackson, was leaving town, and it's going to be his last Sunday, and and uh, Deb had this crazy idea going, we should... You know, we should do something for Bill, and maybe we should write him a song. Oh, that's great. And she said, well, maybe, can, what if we wrote it, like, this afternoon, and we sang it for him tonight? 
And, and I just said, you've just lo- you've lost your mind, you know, and I, I blew it off, you know, and so she walked back in the house and I'm outside with the dog. We had this big garden and 30 minutes later, she walked out and hands me this piece of paper. I have it framed on my wall the, wow. on this little, uh, you know, like school notebook paper, you know, mm-hmm. and it's the lyrics to friends. Uh, is that maybe that all came out before I think I was listening to you? Was that on the project? That's on the big project. project. Is that what it's called? Project, uh, Michael W. Smith project. So yeah. that was the first record. So is that the song that kind of launched you into the? Well, on, on, on a certain level, it did because you know I, that record came out in February of '83, but I was touring with Amy Grant in '82. Right. So on the Age to Age tour, we ended every show on the Age to Age tour with friends. Her and I singing it together, yeah. and we still sing it together to this day. You know, off and on Christmas tours and. You know, she's a kind of a big part of that song, although she didn't write on it. But um, yeah, so a little, you know, we played it that night for Bill, and everybody cried. And you know, and I woke up the next day and going, oh, God, I like this song a lot. <laughs> Maybe there might be something here. You know, nothing, nothing spectacular about it, but there's just there's something about the simplicity, and there's something about the lyric and the music that just has connected with people, but has become a part of the fabric of their lives. And I see it every night when I go into it. I, I watch what I can, it can be the loss of a child. It can be a graduation. It can be, it can be, it's a vast array of things that you see just this light bulb go off and, and they're going, wow, I can't believe it. And this is the 3000th time I'm going to sing this song. And, and it, does, and it doesn't get, it doesn't get old. 95% of Bible camps have used that song, at least back in the eighties and nineties. I mean, it was staple. It was like, you know, Thursday night is cry night, like the, yeah. present the gospel, <laughs> <laughs> invite everyone to, to, to accept Christ and play friends. You know, that was kind of the, the rhythm. So yeah. thank you for that. Uh, question. Let's go with the Bartlett's. Sure. Can you hear me? Yeah. 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 Uh, so my first concert ever was in kindergarten and it was Amy Grant. And I believe you were playing keys on that tour. Wow. At, uh, six years old. Um, Amazing. What, what do you say about the early years of touring with Amy when pop Christian music was starting to get popular and you were kind of starting to get on your feet? Let me repeat that for the... Yeah, uh, yeah, go ahead. So uh, what do you say about the early years when you were touring with Amy and starting to get on your feet? Yeah. Um, there, was a, there, was, there was wind at our back. We, we felt like... I mean, we kind of felt like we were dying on to heaven. I mean, it was just... There was so much momentum. It makes me think of... I'm working on this. I'm, I'm an executive producer, but there's... And I'm going somewhere with this, so just bear with me. There's, um, they're, they're, they're doing a documentary on the history of Christian music. And there's this moment that with Amy's being interviewed. We both are executive producers on this called Jesus Music. It comes out this October. It's incredible. It's never been told on the big screen, but there's this moment in the 80s and Amy's on, on, the, on the interview. She said, all I know is that it was so much fun. The wind was just blowing at our back, and we just felt like we were—we had so much momentum, we, we, and we really couldn't explain it. But we kind of felt like we were charting new territory, I guess, on some level. But we weren't—we weren't trying to be rock stars. We just were just having so much fun doing what we were doing and saying something that was life-changing for people. And th- those two things combined, you know, is—it doesn't get any better than that for someone who's a singer and a songwriter. And, you know, so there was just a lot of momentum and, you know, and, and, and I think back then too, you know, there was this whole, we had a lot of opposition on the pop side because they didn't want anything to do with, we don't hear songs about Jesus, you know, and, and, 
all of a sudden those barriers started to come down, you know, and find a way, you know, from the unguarded thing. The first, really first song, pop song I ever had on the radio was Find a Way. It wasn't Baby Baby. It was Find a Way. And then, you know, Baby Baby hit and Place in This World hit comes out. And, you know, it's just all of a sudden we started to just to see so many amazing things happen that we thought were like, we're not sure we can break down the barrier. But And it wasn't just us. It was just, I, I just think the Lord just had a plan, you know. And then you, so fun to talk to people who had never heard of Christian music and they heard the song on a pop radio station and got saved, you know. Awesome. So it's just, the stories are endless. So, so uh I've in the past done a little bit of preaching, no, no big deal, you know, but when I got started, it early, is a big deal. I mean, but when I, when I got, so I've always been serious about proclaiming the word and about preaching the gospel. I really have wanted to be faithful to the scriptures, but I look back at some of the things that I've preached, you know, when I was younger yeah. and I just go, man, I'm glad there's not a recording of that. I'm glad that that probably is somewhere. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad, I'm glad that, you know, not that many people heard that because I've changed I've grown. I've, I've become more deep. Maybe I've even changed my mind about a theological issue or something. How do you, as a songwriter who's spanned and had such, your stuff is recorded <laughs> and it is out there. And so is there anything that you look back on that you've recorded or did the Lord spare you from that? Uh, from, from you having to say, you know, if I had a do over there, I wouldn't have said it this way because it seems misleading about what the scriptures say. Do you know what I'm asking? Yeah. I don't think... I mean, I'm sure there are some things. I mean, I could probably go back and pick out a few things. And go, you know, I might have said that different, but I can't change that, you know. So to me, it was just, it's it's a part of the process of growing up, you know, and and learning how to be wise. And, you know, you, you make some maybe not so good choices and you maybe said something that maybe I would maybe say different than yeah, today. Yeah. There's nothing uh, catastrophic there's, there's, there, right. I don't think there's anything back there going, oh my gosh, I hope nobody ever hears that song. You know, <laughs> right, I don't right, think right, I have one of those. Right. Um, but I think as you wise up and you mature in your faith, you know, you see the world different and you write different. Yeah. You got one, Bailey? Um, we have uh, two parts, but it counts as one. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Have you ever performed in Iowa before? And what are you most looking forward to? Not tonight, but like big picture. Have you ever performed in Iowa before? I know for a fact, yes, because I've seen him. And what are you looking forward to the most? Not tonight or in general? Like big picture, what's most exciting for you? Yeah. Good. Well, I've performed in Iowa a lot. I can't even count how many times. You know. Okay, then I have a question to that. Okay. Swim? Oh, I like to swim. Oh, well, when you come okay. when you come to a show in Iowa, okay. what she's saying is there's and nothing to do here. Question to you. No, no, no. Well, you, yeah, usually it all depends on kind of what hotel you're in. So today's pool was not great. I mean, don't tell anybody I love the Hampton Inn. It's great, but it's just not very long. So you just have no, to get you have to get creative, you know. And so I just like being in the water, tease you on your joints, and I love mm-hmm. to swim. And I swim probably three times a week back in Franklin, Tennessee. But I have a routine every day that I, I have to move my body. I just can't lay in bed all day. I have to get up and move. And so, cause I like, I like to exercise. And so, but I don't talk and, and I, and I have changed my mind about warming up because 
because I've had some issues with my voice, and so I've been seeing a voice coach. And so mm. she's, she's going, you know, you probably need to warm up. So I've got this, these crazy exercises I do now that all my kids and grandkids, they just think I've lost my mind, you know, <laughs> really bizarre stuff. Like voice exercises? Yeah, like, like body like exercises. Like gargling with water and, uh, you know, doing all these <laughs> things with gargling water. It's just like, it's just so bizarre, but it works, I promise. But... You know, today I, I swam, and then I walk, walked around, had lunch. I came back and took a nap, which I don't usually do that every day, but I was tired. I just got back from Italy this last week, so I think there's maybe just a little bit of jet lag still hanging on, but um, always great flying west. is always better than flying yeah. east. So, um, And then I took another walk after I got up, so I just, yeah. And so I and I didn't talk today until I got to the venue. So, and then one of my and I have been in Iowa. Just I've been in Iowa, Des Moines, so many times. Yeah. Cedar Falls, Cedar Rapids. Yeah. Been in Cedar Rapids. What am I most looking forward to? Um, I'm looking forward to this Andrea Bocelli TV special. I rode a horse for 16 miles. So we we rode together. I've never been so sore in my life, in decades. And I trained. I've been rode a horse before, but but I hadn't ridden in ten years. And so he wanted me to ride a horse with him. You know, Andrea, he's blind. So like, is this so, part of the singing? It's, like you're singing on a horse? No, or? no. We're we're actually taught. We actually did break into song. He broke into Amazing Grace riding his horse, awesome. and then he forgot one verse for some reason. Then I just picked it up, and just went and sang it. As we were. On the, in, the, in the middle of the countryside of Italy. It was pretty amazing. But then we, we, we ended up performing in a 3,000-year-old coliseum in ruins in Sutri, wow. S-U-T-R-I, with 2,000 torches lit around the coliseum. And it was, it was amazing. It was empty. A massive film crew. Massive, massive film crew. So it was off the chart. And then I'm looking for the Jesus Music mm-hmm. doc coming out. And then the big thing I think I'm really most excited about is that this is the 20-year anniversary of the Worship record, the first Worship mm-hmm. album that came out. It actually was released 2001 uh, on 9-11 That's right. was when it came out. Yeah. And so this is the 20-year anniversary. So we're going to go back and reimagine that record with a 65-piece orchestra. Awesome. No rhythm section. <clears throat> it's all That's big awesome. orchestra. And I didn't know if it would work, but it's going to work. And so we, we're going to record that in Nashville on July the 12th at Allen Arena, David Lipscomb University. And that, that record will be released at midnight on September 10th before 9-11. Do you, have, have you done work with Andrea? I had, did two years ago. Okay. So do, does a guy like you get starstruck with anyone? Like there's people here tonight who'd be starstruck with you. Not me, of course, but just people who've grown up listening to your music. Um, are, is there anyone who you're like, man, I just met whoever. Yeah, I, I was a little, I was a little like that with Andre, just a little bit, you know. I mean, I don't think there's anybody anymore, you know. Yeah. I, I, I don't. I probably should be, you know. Um, I mean, I mean, probably John Williams is probably the one, and I've met John Williams a couple times. He probably doesn't re- remember me, and I don't know if he knows what I do, but I'm. A, I'm a huge John Williams fan. John Williams, Star Wars, Raiders of the Lost Ark, composer. Yeah. And so he, his, gosh, his melodies have just, life, just such, such inspiration. So if I've got anybody, I'm sort of like, oh, oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. If I could ever work with John Williams, that would be a dream come true. But the Bocelli thing was pretty awesome. And to be able to just spend two days with him riding for 16 miles in the middle of nowhere awesome. in Italy was pretty incredible. So. 
Well, you're lucky because John Williams listens to our podcast every day. And so, John, you've got, you go. got to give Michael a call and just uh, – th- I, can, I can set that up for you. I'm just kidding. So another question I have is um, one of the things that, that I love and that we love about you is that you've stood the test of time. And I'm not even talking about s- musically. I'm talking about spiritually. Um, you know, it's – it's not hard to be a young musician and make a splash and give the impression that you're spiritually grounded and all those kind of things. Um, but to do it for decades and decades, I mean, one of the reasons I was excited to be able to bring you here and host you is because the testimony of your life, forget about the music, which is great, but that is to me maybe more valuable than the music. So, the question is kind of what's your secret, but that's a kind of a stupid question to ask. But, but what is, how do you, what would you tell young people who are getting started? What are the pitfalls? And it could be musical people, or it could be just young people in general who are, they have dreams of greatness and the Lord's going to bless some of them to have tremendous impact, big platforms, but there's pitfalls, pitfalls associated with that. What kind of advice do you give people to avoid those pitfalls and just, stay faithful? Just read the scriptures. It tells you, you know, trust the Lord with all your heart. Lean on, not on your own understanding. Mm-hmm. You know, all that. Just um, because, you know, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Mm-hmm. That's one. That's, and you don't like God to humble you. And I've been there. It's not fun. <laughs> I'd rather do it myself, yeah. you know. But I think it's who you walk with. Who is your... Who are you walking with? Who's your tribe? Who's your Bible study? Who's your church? Um, and you just have that accountability that um, that if you start to sort of wander off, you've got like like for example, I, th- I think if I just decided I wanted to be a rock star and I got all ego maniac guy, my prayer group would come up and knock me up the side of the head. You know, they come like, dude, what snap out of it? Mm-hmm. You know, what are you doing? <clears throat> so it's that sort of asking God to keep you on a short leash. Um, and, it's, and, and, and I know everybody, whatever job you have, it, that's the challenge and how to survive success. I think if there's any, if I could, if I have anything that I've been successful at, I've, I've survived success, mm-hmm. which awesome. is difficult. Um, and I think with my job, because you know, people admire you and they, yeah. they got a great yard, uh, it puts me on a pedestal. And, <laughs> And you just have to just deflate that all the time. It's just, just a daily, just, this is not about me. Yeah. And, and, and whatever good there is, you know, whatever, it's just all, just God has orchestrated all of that. You know, so for me to d- take credit and sort of like go on some rampage of just going, oh, I'm the greatest thing. It's, right. just, it's, just, it's just so, it's not true, yeah. you know. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, and then I think, when you we when you're given a lot, there's a great responsibility, and so you have this ability. It's really almost the greatest thing about my job, and I love the music thing. And I feel like my best work is yet to come. Awesome. I love the platform yep. because what you can do with the platform, Amen. you know, you get to work with people that you would never work with. You get to meet people, and then you get involved in compassion. And I'm all of a sudden with Bono, and we're working on an AIDS crisis in Africa, and. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh gosh, I get to go go do this and change people's lives. Well, that never would have happened if I hadn't had success, you know. So it's like, so what do you do with the success, you right. know? So that's that's the fun part about my job, actually. Have you written a book or anything surviving success? That'd be phenomenal. I mean, the body of Christ needs that. 
Yeah, maybe that'll be my next book. Let's do it. I have a book coming out next week, actually. I know that. Yeah, called The Way of the Father. And I don't think they were able to get us any, because yeah, we were going to sell I'm a sorry. bunch, but that's I, all right. I, I hate it. It's like four days from now it comes out. So. <laughs> Matter of fact, three days it comes so, out. So, uh, Surviving Success by Michael W. Smith, and I'll do the interview with you to okay, launch perfect. it. Okay, Okay. Uh, any other questions from down here? Uh, so, you sang at George Bush's funeral. Um, yeah. I know you're friends with Bush's. Is there any, uh, how does that work with, I mean, there's the whole uh, choir and orchestra, and was there a lot of government stuff behind the scenes? Was there much to it, or did you just it's, fly in and fly out? It's a question about how, what were the mechanics of the George Bush funeral? Was government involved because it was a state funeral, et cetera? Yeah, well, there, there's just, um, first of all, I just, I love George Sr., and he loved the song Friends. I sang for my dinner a lot over the last 25, almost 30 years with him. Um, so, yeah, it's much different being in his house at Kenny Buck Porter in Houston, hanging out, riding on a boat, you know, mm-hmm. when you've got dignitaries, you've got former presidents, and it's, just, it's like the whole security thing. But I'm used to that. I've, I've been doing that since 1989. So you're at the White House. It's just protocol, and so you just go, you just do what you're told to do, you know. So, but I think the challenge for me a little bit then was just having to wait so long to sing that song, you know. And you're back up in where the boy, where the choir, the boys sing, you know, the, the, uh, you know, and you're kind of waiting for that moment, you know. And uh, I didn't sing it very well because the guy got a little emotional. So, but um, yeah, it's just there's just. Uh, you just abide by the rules, you know, secret service and all that sort of thing. But I've, again, like I said, I've, I, I sort of know the drill and just go with the drill. So. I saw you with DC Talk and Billy Graham in Minneapolis. And, oh, wow. and, uh, Youth Night. Say something about Billy Graham. You sang at his funeral, too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, great. He's a dear friend. This, I miss him. I really miss him. Um, uh, he, you know, we had a lot in common on some level. You know, he, he's got five children. I've got five children. He's on the road. I'm on the road. Mm-hmm. Ruth and Debbie were really close. Um, yeah, and just being able to spend time with him up in his log cabin in his final years. Mm-hmm. And for years, he would lay hands on me and pray for me. I'm like, oh, my gosh, this, this is amazing. And then all of a sudden, he can't pray for you, and you find yourself praying for him. Wow. It's like, whoa, this is just it's just unbelievable, you know. So he, um, yeah, there's been, been nobody like Billy, you know. So uh, I love, uh, I, I, what I love about Instagram is these little things will pop up every once in a while and Billy preaching like, I saw one today the year I was born. He's preaching in New York when he did 16, 16 weeks in New York City. Awesome stuff. Unbelievable. Bailey, you got another one? I thought more people were going to show up. That's good. One's okay. That's okay. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Um, we got six more minutes. Right, I got one. Go for it. Proudest moment that you've ever had. Proudest moment you've ever had. Gosh. Uh, uh, uh. Or one of the prouder moments you've ever had. Let me soften it for you. Yeah, I can let him off. Probably when my first child was born, probably. You're just going, oh my gosh, this is unbelievable. <laughs> and we did it five times. Hello. Um, 
Yeah, and this, yeah, and walking your girls down the aisle and all that kind of stuff. Oh, this is just, there's a, there's a plethora of, of moments like that. But probably that would be, I'd say that would, because just the, the, the birth of a child is, is a miracle in of itself. It's just, when you just watch what just went down the last couple, it's like, that's unbelievable. And, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, yeah, I've and, been there. And then you're going to be a father. Yeah, and it's pretty unbelievable. So uh, the two things or three things that he mentioned had nothing to do with your career, which I think is telling and, and awesome uh, in terms of proudest moments. They're family oriented, walking your girls down the, dial, the aisle, having a baby. Another thing you said earlier that I was going to point out to our audience: you've got a voice coach. Like Michael W. Smith has a voice coach. Like we can all learn from people who have expertise to pour into us no matter where we're at, right? Absolutely. I mean, and I needed it. I mean, you know, um, you know, just I think as I've gotten older, you know, I'm singing a lot. You know, when you sing a lot, you're, you just, you're, you're get, you get exhausted. I thought I'm losing my voice. Oh, my gosh. And then you start to freak out a little bit going, then I, I must be doing something wrong. Yeah. And so that's when I went and saw this amazing lady at Vanderbilt um, in, in Nashville, and she's really helped me a lot. Cool. So I've, as, as I've known that you're coming here, I've been a little bit more tuned into your page, and I've been hijacking the threads to promote our concert. And, and one day um, on Instagram or Facebook, you did a selfie video, and um, you, you were asking the country, you'd been out kind of in the, at your farm or wherever, and just with the Lord, and you said you'd just been praying for our country. And um, you didn't allude to any specific issues. And I don't remember when the time frame was. I, I, I remember in my mind linking it to an event, but I don't remember what the event was, if it had to do with the election or the inauguration or that, you know, the different riots or anything. But obviously a guy like you has political beliefs that would maybe create a problem with the platform that you're trying to convey, which is Jesus Christ. So how do you decide like what stuff like that that could be controversial in your life to talk openly about and what stuff not to? I'm not even asking you to be controversial. That's good. Do do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I I think you have to be, I think I have to be careful Mm -hmm. because I want to be able to have a voice to both sides of the aisle. Right. Um, saying all that, I'm extreme. I'm extremely conservative. Um, I deeply care about the principles that our country was founded upon. I'm deeply troubled about what's going on with our country at this very moment. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's an attack. So what do you? So I'm always praying for wisdom where to speak up and not speak up yeah. because I want to. I want to be able to have a and and and, 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 and you know they're going to annihilate you either way. Right. You know, there's. I have people that just that that, that hate me. Mm-hmm. You know, because I won't talk to our governor in Tennessee, who's in my prayer group. Yep. Governor Bill Lee's one of my best friends. You know, mm-hmm. well, he'll do something that whether it was COVID related. You know, and well, yeah, yeah, why, why'd you? You know, they're so they're all mad at me because I I stay out of the fray. <laughs> yeah. I stay out of the fray. And if I if I am concerned about something, maybe with our state, I would go to Bill and talk to Bill. I mean, if it, but it would have to be like really, really. It, I would have to, it almost had to be a download from the Lord going, you know, I think you should say something to Bill about this. And, you know, I did that with the president a couple of times, W. Mm-hmm. I always made those friend, 
the, most of the time we were eating hot dogs and talking about grandkids and his mom and dad and having fun. But there were, there were, there were a few times that I had an agenda. And I just felt like it was, but I never talked about it openly on social media. It was just yeah. me and the president. The Lord put you in that position. Yeah, and it was more like Israel back then, and there was, was something going on that I felt like. That. And then I, there was one thing that that I felt like could be a game changer was I felt like we need to have a proclamation, of a, a day of prayer and fasting for our country. Mm. I still believe we need to have that. And, I, and actually Trump did that, actually. Mm. And, uh, but he never did it, and he didn't tell me why he didn't do it. it just didn't, it wasn't on the front burner. But the, there were like two or three times that I, and then the Africa thing with Bono was uh, that was the other thing. Going, we have the ability to to, we have the ability and the and and the manpower or the or the, our, our country, we can do something about that, and Bono gives me way too much credit than I deserve, but. But I think I sort of laid the groundwork for Bono and the president to talk. And then there were two bills that were passed, like $20 billion and another $24 billion something. It's PEPFAR, you know. Mm-hmm. And that they, this drug has gone to Africa. Mm-hmm. And there's hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people who are still alive because mm-hmm. of that drug. Mm-hmm. I've shook their hands. I've hugged people awesome. that took the drug. <laughs> you know, so it doesn't, it, doesn't leave, it doesn't take away AIDS. It kind of holds it at bay, and they can live a long life. See, th- all those people would be dead yeah. if that hadn't been passed right. by Congress, and Congress passed both bills. So it's just stuff like that where I felt like, you know, I think this is important. We, go, we, have, we have the ability to maybe save a lot of lives, and it so that's just a couple of things. But again, getting on social media going, we need to do it. We're going to. Yeah. Uh, I'm not a I'm not a I'm not a protester, you know, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with protesting. I think there'll be there are going to be times I think that we're going to have to stand up for our faith yeah. and not sort of just pretend like it's not there because yeah. it does say we're going to be persecuted. It's yeah. it's coming. Yeah. It's, and, and you know what? We're, we're going to get through it. We're out of time. Michael W. Smith, thank you. Oh, is that to wrap thank up you. on a heavy subject? <laughs> thank, yeah. Um, I'm thrilled to hear that your best days are ahead of you, you believe. Yeah. And I think that in those best days, we'll probably be back here again sometime. So thank Let's you so much for coming. You're welcome. Thank you. Right. Appreciate it. Thank right. you, guys. Bye. Hey. All right. See you. The CC Podcast Conversations is part of Christian Crusaders Radio and Internet Ministry, started in 1936 and is one of America's longest-running radio ministries. We are 100% donor-funded, and donations to our ministry are tax-deductible. So if you are encouraged, challenged, or inspired by today's conversation, please consider making a donation on our website, christiancrusaders.org, or mail a check to Christian Crusaders, 7401 University Avenue, Cedar Falls, Iowa, 50613. In addition to our other podcasts, which I mentioned at the front of this episode, I want to mention two of our other ministry partners worth checking out. First, the Cedar Falls Bible Conference, equipping believers with the truth of God's Word since 1922. Visit cedarfallsbibleconference.com for free access to previous conference content or for more information about upcoming events. 
Second is Power to Change Digital Strategies, an online ministry partnering volunteer Christian mentors with people around the world searching the internet for answers. If you or someone you know could benefit from an anonymous online conversation with a caring Christian adult, go to issuesiface.com. Or if you would like to be a volunteer Christian mentor, please visit p2cdigital.com. That's the letter P, the number two, and the letter C, digital.com. See our episode notes for details and links, and remember to subscribe, leave a five-star rating, and write a review. God's richest blessings to you, and thanks again for listening.